Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hello and welcome to another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. I am uh, on my own to start the show today. Jake's dealing with a little bit of car trouble. So I am starting the show solo. Um, with, with May being mental health awareness month, um, we are doing, um, basically a post every single day. And with Wednesdays, our, our post of the day is going to be our gratitude challenges. Um, we've each, um, um, asked for each to do one thing in our personal lives and one thing in Wisconsin sports that we're grateful for, um, and getting some answers on on some of the social medias is cool to see. So we appreciate people sharing their answers with us. Um, for me, I'm going to say in the Wisconsin sports world, it's opportunity. Uh, we're going to see basically a change of quarterback in Green Bay that will be talked about for years and years and years and years. Um, we've gone from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, and now we are finally out of that that two quarterback stretch and into a new future, which is exciting and interesting for sure. Um, as for personal life, I'm, I'm thankful that I have the the time and have it worked out with, with my family that I can, I can do this show every Wednesday and sometimes on Friday nights and sometimes on Saturday afternoons when there's coaching decisions to talk about and, and things of that nature. So, um, I'm going to jump in. It is just me for now. We'll see if Jake is able to make it in later, but um, I'm going to try and uh, experiment with doing this a little bit differently while I'm riding solo on these and, and see if I can uh, display a little bit of um, some of the things from the games while I'm talking about them so they're not just staring at my face the whole time. Not that people would be potentially opposed to that, but just going to try something a little bit different while I'm on my own. So Rockies game two, this is last Wednesday evening. This happened after the show. And for me, it was good to notice. I'm going to go to, um, I'm going to go to Eric Lauer's stats here. For me, it was good that Eric Lauer was able to get through a one, two, three first inning. Um, Eric Lauer's problems this season have been often, uh, by getting jumped on early and it, you know, it didn't start early on Lauer in this game, but it still happened early. And then 
yesterday's game, he did get jumped on early. So for me, while we're getting through those first couple innings is going to be important. Um, coming into the second game of the Rockies series, 14 of his 15 earned runs came in the first three innings of games. That's a, that's a tough spot to be in for Eric Lauer and for the Brewers and just to be down through those holes. Um, three strikeouts through the first two innings for Lauer. And then the bottom of the fourth inning goes error, double, single, and it's one nothing Rockies. It's a great job by Eric Lauer to get a, a one-out strikeout with the bases loaded, which would have been the third out. But that was followed by a bases-clearing double and then gets a three-pitch strikeout. Uh, so those four runs that Eric Lauer gave up did end up being unearned runs, but still a bit of a struggle for the Brewers to get through that one. It was good work by Elvis Baguero to pitch an inning in the third scoreless. That was good to see from him. Um, and then Tyrone Taylor had another outfield assist. Uh, Eric Lauer finished four and two-thirds innings, six strikeouts, did have four walks, and got the loss despite not giving up any earned runs. And as for Charlie Blackman tacking on some insurance, uh, he is a Brewers killer. There's no way around that. Uh, Charlie Blackman is absolutely a Brewers killer. And I don't think we're going to avoid that anytime we play against Charlie Blackman. I don't know what it is, but the dude's got the Brewers number and it, it is what it is. Uh, switching to the third game of this Rockies series. Um, Brewers, it was weird to me that the Brewers uh, didn't score a bunch of runs when they were in Colorado. That seems like a place to, to score a bunch of runs. And we get into game three, and it seems that the Brewers remember that they're in Coors Field, and they start off by hitting a bunch of home runs. Um, Christian Yelich led off with a home run. Uh, Rowdy Telez hit a home run both in the first innings. It had been 42 innings since the Brewers hit their last home run. Uh, that was Adamas in the game, uh, the first game against the Angels in the previous series. Um, and then through the first four innings of this game, the Brewers had been three of their last 45 with runners on base. So over the last couple of games, or sorry, the last game of the Angels series and the Rockies series, it just had really been a struggle for the Brewers to get hits with guys on base, stringing hits together. Uh, bottom of the fourth inning, um, Wade Miley gave up two leadoff walks, got Crone to pop out, got Moustakas to fly out, and a ground out to end the inning. So good job at Wade Miley getting out of that traffic. Top of the fifth, Tyrone Taylor makes it 3 nothing. His first hit of 2023. Um, bottom of the fifth, Wade Miley, 1-2-3 inning, 67 pitches. Uh, top of the sixth inning, Brian Anderson hit a triple. Victor Caratini hit a single with two outs. That gave the Brewers a 4-0 lead. Uh, and then Bryce Terang, infield single, showing off the wheels. It was his first double-digit hit game. Sorry, not his. That would be insane if Bryce Terang had a double-digit hit game. It was the Brewers' first double-digit hit game since April 17th. Get to the bottom of the sixth. Wade, Wade Miley gets through six innings on 79 pitches. And then we get to the bottom of the seventh. And that's where Wade Miley started to struggle a little bit. Gave up single, single, double, and the Rockies had cut the lead to 4-2. to two. Uh, Joel Piams came in, gave up an infield single and a stolen base. Um, I will say, if Victor Caratini tries to make that throw to first base, to second base, sorry, because there were men on first and third, if Victor Caratini makes that throw home, sorry, to second, 
Uh, it's very possible that Colorado attempts a double steal and plates a run on that. And then we get another terrible ball call on Piams. I, I don't know what the deal is that they're, you know, they, they set up the pitch timer because they want games to go faster. And then Joel Piams is getting punished for going too fast. I don't know what, what the deal is, what they want from him. Um, but for him to be called on that twice within the last couple of weeks is unfortunate at best. But after that, you know, uh, it was a good job by him to re, uh, to rebound and to strike out. Um, I think it was Crone um, that he struck out after that call. And then two soft single score runs and sorry, soft single scores, two runs. And the Rockies end up winning this one six to four. So the Brewers just happy to get out, or sorry, um, happy to get out of Colorado um, after a nine six loss. Um, it's just kind of one of those series, and unfortunately, the Brewers are just kind of in one of those grooves right now. And Wade Miley said it today after today's loss that they're going to get back to playing well, get back to having fun. Uh, they just need to relax and. I will say to Brewers fans credit, I haven't seen a lot of people freaking out that the Brewers are on a losing streak or that they've lost. I believe it's 12 of their last 18. They're on a bit of a rough streak um, since, honestly, since uh, Garrett Mitchell got injured. And it's really been uh, tough for them to overcome. And that's where it seems like they're, they kind of got stuck on. I will say Giants game, top of the first inning, they went double, double or double, single, single. And they got a one, nothing lead, jumped out right away. Uh, and then they got a ground into a double play. Um, Brian Anderson drew a walk, and then he got caught in a rundown between first and second base long enough for Owen Miller to score to make the game 2-0. to zero. So right away, bottom of the first inning, a uh, walk and a home run makes it 2-2. Two to two. I will say Corbin Burns, when he gets in trouble with walks, that's when he's been in the most trouble this season. Top of the second, two on with one out, back-to-back strikeouts. Uh, both teams go one, two, three through the third and the fourth. Top of the fifth, Brewers get a pair of singles by Tyrone Taylor and Joey Weimer, and then uh, base running and an error, and the Brewers are able to make a four-two lead. Bottom of the fifth, the Giants go single error. They have second and third with two outs. Get an infield single, a walk, another single uh, thrown out at second base, trying to stretch it to a double, but that made it five-four Giants. Um, and then just two two out hitting by San Francisco was the difference in the game, plus the error. Uh, Brewers only had one single for the rest of the game and one walk. Giants added a solo homer on the bottom of the eighth to make it 6-4. I will say Bryce Wilson pitched well in this game. He had two walks, no earned runs, one inning, uh, no hits. Willie Adamas was two for three. Corbin Burns, six innings pitched, five runs, two of them earned, five strikeouts, and the three walks. He's got three games this season with three walks, and the Brewers are 0-3 in those three games. Uh, Hobie Milner had an earned run, and Elvis Figueroa pitched another two-thirds inning scoreless. Getting into, I mean, just the rest of this Giants series, and it was a little bit better in the um, the second game of the Giants series, but the first game of the Giants series, the Brewers had 12 strikeouts and only three walks. That was uh, tough to recover from. And in the second game, despite losing and managing the same number of hits, San Francisco, the Brewers did do better. 
as far as walks and strikeouts are concerned. Um, seven strikeouts, five walks in the second game. So the Brewers were better in that aspect uh, as far as plate discipline goes. Colin Ray, another another decent start for him. Six innings pitched, um, three earned runs. I can't really make a big deal out of it for a guy who's making spot starts in Major League Baseball when he really wasn't expecting to be in the role that he's in. Um, so three earned runs, only one walk, four strikeouts. He did give up the one home run, but outside of that, like I'm, I'm really not disappointed with with the effort that we got from Colin Ray or from Tyson Miller. Actually, for him to go two innings pitched, give up just the one earned run. Um, had he did have a strikeout for for a game where you only allow four runs, um, I I think the Brewers uh, kind of dropped a winnable game in the second game of that series. But you know, can't win them all, and it is what it is. Um, you know, for a roster that's up and down, been pretty streaky um, f- throughout the season. Um, I will say they've been a little more consistent in April than they were in. May they have been in May so far, but this this Giants series seemed like a, a little bit where they could have had some opportunity. They did get back into the win column in the third game of the series. You look up and down the lineup. I mean, Joey Weimer is the only guy that didn't have a hit, but he did draw walks. So everybody in the lineup in the third game of the Giants series on base. I mean, you look at seventeen men left on base despite having twelve hits. I mean, that's just constant base runners and. You go to looking at um, Adrian Hauser making his season debut. Two earned runs in four and two-thirds innings. Um, I don't remember how many pitches he threw. I didn't write that down. Um, Seven hits is kind of a lot, but five strikeouts. Only one walk can handle that. Um, Joel Piamps, seriously, I think he's been arguably the Brewers' most underrated player this entire season. I tweeted this out on Sunday um, that I think I think that Joel Piams has been the Brewers' most underrated player so far this season, and I think his I think his numbers show that. Uh, you look at you see here after the Giants game at his ERA down to two eighty one, and Peter Strzelecki, good to see him bounce back after a couple really rough outings in Colorado. That's important for him to get bounced back, get his confidence back up. Um, Devin Williams is Devin Williams. He pitched despite this not being a save situation just because he hadn't pitched previously, I believe, before this game was April 29th was his last outing. Um, So it was good to see uh, Devin Williams come in despite being uh, a little rusty and kind of do what Devin Williams does. And for Peter Strzelecki to get his bounce back game, that was really important for me. It was a really weird situation to be in. The Brewers go on a six-game road trip. They lose five out of six. And they leave for their road trip a game and a half back in the NL Central. They come back from their road trip half a game back in the NL Central. Just a really baseball. That's how baseball goes sometimes. The NL Central has been really weird. The Pirates have been on a seven-game losing streak. Um, The Cubs are hovering right around 500 kind of how I expected them to be. Um, The Reds just gave up an 11-run inning to the White Sox that day. And the Cardinals, man, I don't know what's going on with the Cardinals, but it's it's good to see something not go their way finally. For them, I'm still, uh, like, salty that they got Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado for 
you know, 10 bags of peanuts. And, you know, the Wilson Contreras signing isn't working out the way they hoped. So good. I'm glad something's not working out for them finally. <laughs> I respect their organization, but I'm glad something's not working out for them because it seems like everything has worked out for them. So <laughs> let's get into the Dodgers series. The Brewers are back at home. They get another W. They get a little win streak going. Unfortunately, they couldn't keep it going for long. But uh, this game, really kind of a pitcher's duel to start off. Um, Freddie Peralta gets a 1-2-3 top of the first inning. Christian Yelich swings at the first pitch in the bottom of the first inning, takes it to the wall. Brewers really came out swinging, had a lot of solid contact just right at the outfielders. Um, Tony Gonsolin had gotten through the first inning and second inning on only 15 pitches. Top of the third inning, Freddie Peralta, first batter Barnes, struck him out a slider on the inside corner. That is just absolutely disgusting to do to a right-handed batter. You have a ball that basically looks like it's going to start off, like it's going to hit the guy in the hip, and then it comes in enough to catch the inside corner of the plate. That's just disgusting stuff by Freddie Peralta, um, especially on a right-handed hitter. That's That's got to be just nerve-wracking. And then, like, damn it, like, it's a, still a strikeout? Like, that's... Masterclass by Freddie Peralta does a great job. Bottom of the third inning, Tyrone Taylor singles and stole a base, didn't get around to score. Top of the fourth inning, Craig Council's pissed that Tony Gonsolin is getting the low inside corner call. I want to see if I can find um, the play-by-play. Um, I think ESPN has it. Um, the play-by-play of this and seeing seeing some of the strike calls that Tony Gonsolin is getting that. Uh, Freddie Peralta was not getting that was it was really frustrating for me I know I had texted Jake while I was watching the game and then just a couple innings later uh, Craig Council's coming out of the dugout and um, basically making the same complaint that I was making um, sorry that's today's game spoiler alert <clears throat> but it didn't stop at just that didn't stop at just that at bat so Looking at um, the fourth inning. Let's see if it was Winker. Um, Winker, his first pitch, low and inside. And then this this last one here, this strike looking. That pitch looked low, looked inside. And then you get into fifth inning. And Freddie Peralta not getting the same call. That's that's where I was getting frustrated, and obviously where Craig Council was getting frustrated. Um, bottom of the fifth inning, Joey Weimer unleashes a 407-foot three-run home run that was 108 miles per hour off the bat. That is Joey Weimer's hardest-hit ball of his young career, so it was a great job by Joey Weimer uh, to get back into the hit column. He's admitted that he struggled versus off-speed pitches, and... He didn't struggle versus an off-speed pitch in this at-bat. Launched a massive three-run home run for the Brewers. Uh, top of the sixth inning, Freddie Freeman gets a double and a couple ground outs to advance him. Makes the game 3-1. to one. Bottom of the seventh, Bryce Terang and Brian Anderson get a couple singles. Uh, Joey Weimer drives a double, makes it 4-0. to zero, And then Christian Yelich hits a two-run single, make it 6-0. to zero, And stole second base. Jesse Winker drew a walk. And then Willie Adamas works his at-bat back to a 3-2 count and um, hits a home run and makes the game 9-1 to at that point. And that's what the uh, that's what the Brewers – and that is nine runs. 
and the you know the the Dodgers would grab a couple more. Let's see, it was in the top of the. Oh, that's right, that was on the Chris Taylor home run. Um, I loved seeing that guys were actually back to laughing, smiling, having fun in the dugout. I think that's what the Brewers really need to be thriving, and it seems to be missing over the last couple of days. Now that the Brewers are back on another losing streak, um, we did get to see Souza make his debut. His first batter that he faces is Freddie Freeman, gets a strikeout. Uh, he did give up a two-run home run in the top of the ninth. Um, but Christian Yelich was one for three, drove in two RBI. Willie Adamas was three, uh, had three RBI with his home run. Um, Joey Weimer was two for three with a double, a home run, and four RBI. The seven, eight, nine batters were five for 11 with four RBI, five runs scored, and only two strikeouts. So fantastic job in this opener of the Dodgers series by the five or sorry by the seven, eight, and nine hitters, which was Bryce Durang, uh, Joey Weimer, and Tyrone Taylor. So great job by those three. And then Freddie Peralta on the pitching side of the ball, six innings pitched, one earned run, uh, five strikeouts, two walks. For Freddie Peralta, that is his fifth start of six innings pitched. He had four in all of 2022. So he's already pitching better than he was last season and doing well there. And the Brewers are uh, 21 and 10 when Freddie Peralta pitches more than six innings. They are 48 and 43 in games where he pitches less. Um, yeah, James, I'm by myself. Jake's dealing with some car trouble. Um, uh, yes, go Admirals for sure. All righty. Switching to the other two games of the Dodgers. Uh, go to last night's game. Dodgers jumped on lower early. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.
he's been he's been very successful against the Dodgers in his career. Um, so it was bound to be a situation where uh, the Dodgers would eventually get tired of it and and put something on Eric Lauer. Um, they got on him early, four runs in the first three innings, including two solo home runs. Uh, the three and th- three and two thirds innings that Eric Lauer pitched were his fewest of the season, um, or sorry, not the fewest of the season, the fewest versus the Dodgers in his twelve starts. Um, Bryce Wilson, top of the sixth inning, gave up a home run to Vargas. Uh, just a rare error. Wilson has actually been very solid for the Brewers this season. Um, top of the seventh, we got Gus Varland back. Uh, a little bit of a rocky inning for Gus Varland. Uh, two walks and a single, but did not allow any runs to score. He did strike out Freddie Freeman and Max Muncie. That's two really big strikeouts to get for Gus Varland. Um, bottom of the seventh, Roddy Telez hit his 10th home run. That's 33 games in for Rowdy Telez to hit his 10th home run. Um, the fastest he was previous in his career to get to 10 home runs was 45 games in 2022. So last year it took him 45 games, and that was the fastest of his career to get to 10. This year he's 33 games in and already has his 10th home run. Um, Victor Caratini also hit a solo home run. He's coming along lately. Spoiler alert, I'm going to bring him up again in a, in a later segment. Um, bottom of the eighth inning, the Brewers got two, two out base runners. Uh, couldn't get any more runs across. Top of the ninth, Paguero pitches a scoreless inning. Uh, bottom of the ninth, the Brewers get a couple more base runners, making the Dodgers sweat. They forced them to use an extra pitcher, which I really thought would be, end up being a factor in today's game. Um, and hopefully Noah Syndergaard's finger injury isn't something that's going to cause him to miss a bunch of time. It looked gross um, to see him like bleeding out of his index finger, and it just looked it looked nasty. But I hope he's hope he's all right. Dodgers, like you can see, they had to use I think it was nine pitchers total in in yesterday's game, which I was hoping would be a bigger factor in today's game, but. Um, Lauer gave up the four runs, three of them earned two walks again, gave up two more home runs, just, uh, kind of a tough first month and a half for Eric Lauer. Uh, Bryce Wilson gave up the two runs again. I'm not, not really harping on Bryce Wilson. He's been pretty good for the Brewers. As you can see, even with those two earned runs, his ERA still sits at 270. So Bryce Wilson has been very good for the Brewers as has Elvis Aguero. Maybe a guy not getting talked about enough because I keep bringing up how well Joel Piams has pitched. But looking at Elvis Aguero, he's doing very, very well for the Brewers so far this season. And I'm going to use that to kind of transition into today's game. Um, With this, I mean, today's game was really just early and often by the Dodgers. And... That was pretty much it. Uh, the Brewers just mustered the one run, and that's kind of all she wrote. But Dodgers scored two in the fourth, two in the fifth, four in the sixth. Uh, Wade Miley was very good throughout the first four innings of the game and eventually ended up uh, ballooning the game on him a little bit. He finished with uh, seven earned runs, two walks, three strikeouts, Uh, six hits, and then Colin Ray came in in relief, which is an interesting development as far as the Brewers go. If uh, Adrian Hauser is taking his place and they're going to use Colin Ray as a piggyback starter or if they're going to use a six-man rotation until Woodruff is healthy, which is hopefully going to be sooner than later, but probably still waiting until June on Brandon Woodruff. Uh, Joel Piams did pitch an inning in a third scoreless, which is good to see for him. Uh, Hobie Milner, it's good to see him bouncing back after giving up runs in a couple of outings. 
And then Devin Williams did pitch an inning um, just to keep him from getting rusty. Um, this one is where the strikeout to walk ratio is is pretty ugly. Um, it's uh, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 11 strikeouts by the Brewers batting order and zero walks drawn. Uh, it's just a really tough spot for the Brewers to be in. Um, we did get a William Contreras home run, so he's got his third home run of the season, I believe. Oh, sorry, that's only a second home run. For some reason, I thought he hit his third one. All right. So I'm going to pull up Jake's power pair. He did send me his power pair um, before he was dealing with his vehicle troubles. Um, so I will read Jake's power pair. Jake does have Elvis Peguero as his power pair pitcher. Uh, over the last week, as you can see, I pulled up his last uh, week worth of appearances. Five innings pitched, only three hits, only one walk to go with three strikeouts and zero earned runs. That's a great pick by Jake to go with Elvis Guerrero. And for his uh, position player, sorry, I should uh, change the banner. Uh, for his position player, Jake went with Tyrone Taylor. Uh, another good pick. He was 6-23 on the week. Uh, did have a home run, two RBI, scored three runs, uh, also had three stolen bases. Um, and then for his underrated performer, Jake went with Bryce Terang. He was four for 15 on the week, um, drew a walk, scored two runs, and had a stolen base. For me, I went I went with Victor Caratini. Um, I went back a little bit farther uh, than just the last week, but since April 26th, Victor Caratini is five of 16, uh, has drawn five walks, has hit two home runs, and driven in five runs. Uh, and that's all in five games. He doesn't play every day. He's not an everyday catcher. But uh, Victor Caratini, another guy who's kind of being kind of being quietly slept on. And then I pulled up uh, Joel Piam. So you look at his last five games. He did give up one earned run last Thursday against Colorado. But, I mean, you look at his last appearances inning – Inning in the third, two and a third, three and a third. Uh, that makes five total innings for him. Six strikeouts, no walks, just the one earned run. Uh, Joel Piams has been very, very, very good. Uh, for underrated performer, I'm with Freddie Peralta just because he's he was a hot topic of conversation last week with how well he pitched in Colorado. The Brewers just unfortunately couldn't get it done with a win. Um and then we get the first game of the Dodgers series. Freddie Peralta does pitch very, very well. The Brewers do leave this one with a win. Um, and then for my power pitcher, yeah, it's Joel Piamps. So um, that's where I'm at with the Brewers. Um, really need to see them bounce back. They won, I believe it was five of their first six series of the season and now have lost five of the last six series. So the Brewers are kind of struggling a little bit. But looking at their schedule ahead, um, they start a series with the Royals on Friday. Um, I believe that is a home series. And then after that, they go back on the road. So, yeah, three games at home, Friday, Saturday, Sunday against the Kansas City Royals. Uh, and then there are three at St. Louis, three at Tampa Bay. Um, I'm not going to take any of those St. Louis games lightly because even though they are struggling mightily this year, St. Louis is still a good baseball team. They have a culture of being a good baseball team, and I will treat them as such because they've been in any situation in baseball you can imagine. And I think that they would trust their culture uh, to bounce back from it. 
Uh, I don't think the Cardinals are going to finish fifth in the NL Central, despite that being where they are right now. Um, and I don't want the Brewers to be the team they gain momentum against. So I, I'm hoping the Brewers can carry some momentum into those three games against the Cardinals. Uh, Jake and I will have two of them. That third one is going to happen after the show next Wednesday. So we will have the uh, the entire Kansas City series and the first two games of that St. Louis series to talk about next week as far as the Brewers are related. Now, I want to pull up. I'm just going to go to the site that I know has it because I write for it. And I'm going to go to Behind the Buck Pass because that is where uh, I know we have the first three names that have been brought up from the Milwaukee Bucks head coaching search. Two of them being guys that were either on the list or to being discussed. Uh, Kenny Atkinson from Golden State. He was on my list. I did not uh, have him in my top three. We did not discuss him on Saturday's show. One being Charles Lee, who was Jake's number two uh, choice for the Bucks in his top three. And the last one being James Barrago, who did sit just outside of my top three. So I'm going to pull up my James Barrago notes because I have a lot. Um, I did do the research on James Brago. <clears throat> the The three things that I was looking at for attributes that I wanted in a head coach were uh, adjustable and fluid in-game, offensive creativity and defensive fundamental philosophy, and then maintaining culture and respect. And then obviously if he had a good track record in the areas of fundamental failures being um, boxing out, making free throws, and taking care of the ball, those three being the main fundamentals that I – keep an eye on um he was 138 163 at charlotte um he didn't really have any talent in charlotte so i'm not i don't put a ton of stock into his record because he didn't have a lot of talented players kemba walker was probably the most talented player that he had outside of a rookie lamello ball um he was a finalist for the houston job in his final season at charlotte um the sorry he was a finalist for the houston job in his final season in Charlotte, the Hornets were number one in assists and number six in offensive efficiency. Uh, he helped develop Malik Monk, LaMelo Ball, both Caleb and Cody Martin, uh, P.J. Washington. He was basically fired in part for a lack of use and development of Kai Jones, J.T. Thor, and James Booknight. Guys that, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, may not have been you know, in line for a lot of development anyways. Um, his former assistant said that he's a player's first coach with ability to hold them accountable. Uh, part of it, which is gaining respect, comes from bringing in topics outside of basketball that can help ground us in gratitude. Uh, sometimes he runs players, uh, drills with players. He's good at staff empowerment and created a unified front of coaches. That is, that's great stuff to hear. Um, from from one of the assistant coaches that worked under James Borrego. That is absolutely the kind of stuff that I want to hear, that players can uh, feel that they are seen as more than just basketball players and be able to connect with the players that way. I do really appreciate that. Um, he has tons of hands-on development. He watches tons of film with the players. Um, running on offense, he runs a pass-first team that is solid in the paint looks for extra passes, goes from good to great shots, and plays at a high pace. Um, as for the Charlotte Hornets, when he was their head coach, 
Um, close game percentage. They went from, in his first year, 29th in close game win percentage, all the way up to number 10 in his second year. Stayed at number 10 the following year. And then the year after that, when the mellow ball was hurt, they went back to 23rd. Um, his assistant said that he was great adjusting out of timeouts. Um, great understanding of adjusting rotations. Didn't have a lot of good defenders in Charlotte, unfortunately. Um, they ran a lot of zone and one through five switches. Um, he does run drop defense if his personnel allows it, but does adjust styles when it doesn't. So that's that's important for me. James Brago probably would have been my number four uh, selection on a top five if we had done it. Um, when it comes to... Um, when it comes to James Brago, he is part of the Greg Popovich coaching tree uh, that also spawned Mike Budenholzer and Becky Hammond. Um, I know there's more that I'm forgetting, but looking at that off the top of my head, uh, James Brago does seem like he would be a good fit. Personally, I would take him over Kenny Atkinson. Um, Charles Lee, obviously not a shock that he's going to be in the mix for the job. Um, I think he is at, at the very least – um, worth looking at when you consider the fact that he's interviewed for like four or five head coaching jobs uh, in just the last two off seasons. And then one of the things that Jake and I discussed, this is partially in response to the news that we got today, partially, partially just also thinking about um, the, the Nick Nurse um, name drop, I guess. Jake and I, neither one of us had Nick Nurse in our top three. And, you know, there's there's the, the character concerns. Um, I've talked to a writer from Yahoo Sports Toronto who said that Nurse does lack some offensive creativity, which obviously is something we dealt with with Budenholzer already and isn't great with player development. So it got Jake and I thinking on, you know, after after seeing Giannis's uh, social media uh, post yesterday about um, he's tired of being disrespected for not making an all NBA team and or all NBA defense team, sorry, uh, and being you know third in MVP voting. And Jake, Jake and I got to thinking about what what that could mean for Giannis next season because we've seen him when he puts his work ethic to things uh, that he goes from a skinny kid to a jacked muscle monster. And so seeing Giannis with angry motivation is definitely a prospect for the rest of the NBA that I'm glad he's on our team. But it got Jake and I thinking about coaching. And if, you know, if Giannis is going to strive to make offensive improvements, I, I said to Jake, I'm like, you know, the Bucs are going to end up hiring an offensive coach with a defensive minded assistant. And I brought up the Bucs should hire Steve Scariolo, my number three, uh, top three coaching candidate. And, and pair him with Nick Nurse and make uh, make it the other way around. Uh, Steve Scariolo was part of Nick Nurse's coaching staff when the uh, Toronto Raptors won their championship in 2019. It'd be interesting to see them kind of switch around. I did also mention on Saturday night when we did our show that if Becky Hammond were to be in the mix and if she were to be a head coach, that she would likely need uh, what Jake called an A-plus assistant. So whether it would be pairing Becky Hammond and Jay Borrego, um, James Brago, that would be a very interesting combo. Um, Mike D'Antoni is a guy who has had previous interest 
in coaching the Milwaukee Bucks, whether he whether he tries to throw his hat in the ring or not well, remains to be seen. Um, we did I did give the quotes from from John Horace at what the Bucks are looking at uh, in a head coaching uh, candidate, and he said they're going to look at all options and they're going to cast a wide net. So I mean, I'm not going to rule anybody out at this point, but so far we do have three names that have been brought up. Um, and it does even say on the tweet here from Adrian Wojnarowski that there will be additional candidates and interviews. Um, man, Mike D'Antoni makes me nervous because I know his teams don't play any defense, but he's run very, very efficient offenses. Uh, he's run the seven, the seven seconds or less Phoenix Suns offense. He was the curator of that. Um, like Sergio Scariolo, he spent a lot of time in Europe. Um, D'Antonio was in the uh, Italian league for a very long time and he's got some of that style, that European style. And maybe that's something that could connect with Giannis potentially, which is what I brought up with Steve Scariolo. Um, but if, if the Bucks decide they want to go with a more proven name, which John Horst didn't say that he's looking for specifically, but they could go with a Mike D'Antoni and potentially hire a Nick nurse as his assistant. Uh, if Nick nurse doesn't find a head coaching job, um, as easily as he um, might think, or as easily as some Bucks fans might think, that Nick Nurse is just gonna get fired from Toronto and walk into another job somewhere else. We'll see what that happens with um, hiring Jordy Fernandez potentially with a Mike D'Antoni. That's an interesting combo that I think I would be on board with. Um, Mike D'Antoni is currently a coaching advisor to Willie Green in New Orleans, so. If he decides that he wants to go from a, an advisory role back to the sidelines, maybe a assistant coaching job is the way to go for him. Um, personally, I think I'd rather have Mike D'Antoni as an assistant than, than as a head coach. Although, you know, if depending on who the assistant that they, they pair with Mike D'Antoni is, um, I know I guess I'm not completely shut off to the idea of Mike D'Antoni being the head coach, again, depending on who they get to be his assistant with him. Um, Chris Quinn, Dave Edelman, just a couple more guys that are kind of just assistants waiting in the wings to get head coaching jobs. Um, both guys that would have been just outside of my top three as well. Chris Quinn, basically an Eric Spolster clone. He's maybe a guy that you could pair with a Mike D'Antoni as an assistant just to just to kind of have that experience on the sideline with him uh, being a first-time head coach. Same with David Edelman. He's a guy you could pair with uh, a guy like Mike D'Antoni or even Frank Vogel if he's open to being an assistant. Um, I've seen rumors, and I can't confirm this, but that the Bucks might be interested in Rick Carlisle, who is currently coaching the Pacers. Um, <coughs> either way, not going to be a quick decision like jake and i said we're really not expecting any decisions probably until june but uh we'll see we'll see what the bucks end up doing uh hopefully the brewers can get back into some winning games um and winning some series that'd be good for the brewers to bounce back after having a rough week by them other than that uh jake and i will will keep posted on some of the things we have going on hopefully hopefully we get some good news on the on the Wisco Fanatics front with some of the stuff that we're working on with the ladies from Mental Health America. 
Other than that, hopefully Jake's got his car issues resolved and can be back on the show with me next week when we'll have more Brewers games to talk about. Uh, we are going to do not this coming Friday, but the following Friday. That's going to be May 19th. That is going to be our draft recap um, episode, and we're also going to have some extra stuff to go with that. And then June 2nd is going to be our Thank You Aaron Rodgers episode, and we're going to talk about our favorite Aaron Rodgers moments uh, from his career. Um so a couple Friday episodes coming up, um, but Jake and I will be back next Wednesday. And if you missed it on Saturday, we did go through our top three coaching candidates each and revealed all of them. So if you're up for watching that and getting some more uh, updated, um, expanded information on some of the coaching candidates that Jake and I threw out um, Saturday's show is, uh, is available on the page. It should be pinned to the top. If you want to go ahead and watch that. Other than that, we'll be back on Wednesday and see you then. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park